Chapter 4 of Loafing Along Death Valley Trails by William Carruthers. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 4 John Searles and His Lake of Ooze. Actually, the first discovery of borax in Death Valley was made by Isidore Donnet in 1875, five years before Winter's discovery. Donnet had left Panamint City when it was apparent that town was through forever, and with six of his friends was en route to new diggings in Arizona. He was a seasoned, hardy adventurer and risked a shortcut across Death Valley in midsummer. Running out of water, his party killed a burro, drank its blood, but the deadly heat beat them down. Indians came across one of the thirst-crazed men and learned that Donnet and others were somewhere about. They found Donnet and two companions. The others perished. When Donnet heard of the winter's sale five years later, like rosy winters, he remembered the white stuff about the water to which the Indians had taken him. He hurried back and in 1880 filed upon mining claims amounting to 260 acres. He started at once a refining plant which he called Eagle Borax Works and began operating one year before Old Harmony began to boil borax in 1881. Donnet's product, however, was of inferior grade and unprofitable and work was soon abandoned. The unpredictable happened and dark days fell upon borax and William T. Coleman. In 1888, the advocates of free trade had a field day when the bill authored by Roger Q. Mills of Texas became the law of the land, and borax went on the free list. The empire of Coleman tumbled in a financial scare, attributed by Coleman to a banker who had falsely undervalued Coleman's assets after a report by a borax expert who betrayed him. My assets, wrote Coleman, were four million four hundred thousand. My debts, two million. No person but Coleman lost a penny. But Borax Smith was never one to surrender without a fight and organized the Pacific Coast Borax Company to take over the property and the success of that company justifies the faith and integrity of Coleman. Marketing the borax presented a problem in transportation even more difficult than it did in Tibet. At first, it was scraped from the flat surface of the valley, where it looked like alkali. It was later discovered in ledge form in the foothills of the Funeral Mountains. The site of this discovery was called Monte Blanco, now almost a forgotten name. The borax was boiled in tanks and, after crystallization, was hauled by mule team across 165 miles of mountainous desert at a pace of 15 miles per day, if there were no accidents, or an average of 20 days for the round trip. The summer temperatures in the cooler hours of the night were 112 degrees, in the day 120 to 134, the highest ever recorded. There were only four water holes on the route, hence water had to be hauled for the team. The borax was hauled to Daggett and Mojave and thence shipped to Alameda, California, to be refined. Charles Bennett, a rancher from Parham Valley, was among the first to contract the hauling of the raw product. In 1883, J. W. S. Perry, superintendent of the Borax Company, decided the company should own its freighting service, and under his direction, the famous 20-mule team Borax wagons with the enormous wheels were designed. Orders were given for 10 wagons. 
each weighed seven thousand eight hundred pounds two of these wagons formed a train the load being forty thousand pounds to the second wagon was attached a smaller one with a tank holding twelve hundred gallons of water i'd leave around midnight ed stiles said generally a hundred and ten or a hundred and twelve degrees the first hauls of these wagons were to mojave with overnight stations every sixteen miles thirty days were required for the round trip in the eighties a prospector in the then booming calico mountains between barstow and yermo discovered an ore that puzzled him he showed it to others and though the bustling town of calico was filled with miners from all parts of the world none could identify it under the blowtorch the crystalline surface crumbled out of curiosity he had it assayed it proved to be calcium borate and was the world's first knowledge of borax in that form previously it had been found in the form of cotton ball the pacific coast borax company acquired the deposits named the ore colemanite in honor of w t coleman operations in death valley were suspended and transferred to the new deposit which saved a ten to fifteen days haul besides providing a superior product the deposit was exhausted however in the early part of the century when colemanite was discovered in the black mountains and the first mine the lila sea began operations it is a bit ironical that during the depression of the thirties two prospectors who neither knew nor cared anything about borax were poking around kramer in relatively flat country inside of the paved highway between barstow and mojave when they found what is believed to be the world's largest deposit of borax it was a good time for bargain hunters and was acquired by the pacific coast borax company and there in a town named boron all its borax is now produced even before aaron winters or isidore donay john searles was shipping borax out of death valley country with his brother dennis member of the george party of eighteen sixty one searles had returned and was developing gold and silver claims in the slate range overlooking a slimy marsh they had a mill ready for operation when the indians then making war on the whites of inyo county destroyed it with fire a man of outstanding courage searles remained to recuperate his losses he had read about the trona deposits first found in the nile valley and was reminded of it when he put some of the water from the marsh in a vessel to boil and use for drinking later he noticed the formation of crystals and then suspecting borax he went to san francisco with samples and sought backing he found a promoter who after examining the samples told him if the claims are what these samples indicate i can get all the money you need an analysis was made showing borax but where is this stuff located searles told him as definitely as he could he was invited to remain in san francisco while a company could be organized it will take but a few days searles explained that he hadn't filed on the ground and preferred to go back and protect the claim the suave promoter brushed his excuse aside little chance of anybody going into that godforsaken hole he called an associate take mr searles in charge and show him san francisco not a rounder searles bored quickly with night life his funds ran low he asked the loan of twenty-five dollars certainly his host stepped into an adjacent office returning after a moment to say the cashier was out but that he had left instructions to give searles whatever he wished 
Searles made trip after trip to the cashier's office, but never found him in, and becoming suspicious, he pawned his watch and hurried home, arriving at midnight four days later. The next morning a stranger came, and something about his attire, his equipment, and his explanation of his presence didn't ring true, and Searles was wary, even before the fellow, believing that Searles was still in San Francisco, announced that he had been sent to find a man named Searles to look over some borax claims. Do you know where they are? Searles thought quickly. He had not as yet located his monuments, nor filed a notice. He pointed down the valley. They're about twenty miles ahead. The fellow went on his way, and before he was out of sight, Searles was staking out the marsh, and with one of the most colorful of Death Valley characters, Salty Bill Parkinson, began operations in 1872. Incorporated under the name of San Bernardino Borax Company, the business grew and was later sold to Borax Smith's Pacific Coast Borax Company. Once, while Searles was away hunting grizzlies, the Indians who had burned his mill raided his ranch and drove his mules across the range. Suspecting the Paiutes, he got his rifle and two pistols. They'll kill you, he was warned. I'm going to get those mules, Searles snapped and followed their tracks across the Slate Range and Panamint Valley. High in the overlooking mountains, he came upon the Indians feasting upon one of the animals and was immediately attacked with bows and arrows. He killed seven bucks and the rest ran, but an Indian's arrow was buried in his eye. He jerked the arrow out, later losing the eye, pushed on and recovered the rest of his mules. Thereafter, the Paiutes avoided Searles and his marsh because, they said, he possessed the evil eye. On the same lake where Searles began operations, the town of Trona was established to house the employees and processing plants of the American Potash and Chemical Company. It was British-owned, though this ownership was successfully concealed in the intricate corporate structure of the Pacific Coast Borax Company, but later sold for $12 million to Hollanders who left the management as they found it. During World War II, Uncle Sam discovered that the Hollanders were stooges for German financiers potash cartel. The alien property custodian took over and ordered the sale of the stock to Americans. Today it is what its name implies, an American company. From the ooze where John Searles first camped to hunt grizzly bears is being taken more than 100 commercial products and every day of your life you can use one or more of them if you eat, bathe, or wear clothes, brush your teeth, or deal with druggist, grocer, dentist, or doctor. Fearing exhaustion of the visible supply, the ooze is 70 feet deep, tests were made in 1917 to determine what was below. Result, supply, one century, value, two billion dollars. Here are a few things containing the product of the use. Fertilizer for your flowers, orchards, and fields. Baking soda, dyes, lubricating oils, paper. Ethyl gasoline, porcelain, medicines, fumigants, leathers, solvents, cosmetics, textiles, ceramics, chemical and pharmaceutical preparations. About 1,300 tons of these products are shipped out every day over a company-owned railroad and transshipped at Searle Station over the Southern Pacific to go finally in one form or another into every home in America and most of those in the entire world.
the weird valley meanders southward from the lake through blown-up mountains gorgeously colored and grimly defiant a trip to thrill the lover of the wild and rugged end of chapter four